Hello and welcome to another episode of my podcast that I might change the name of because I'm not super feeling the millennial equestrian, so stay tuned and don't expect to find it by looking up that name long term in case I do change it. We are currently waiting in an extra long border lineup to cross the border into the U.S. to grab some mail from my mailbox. So what better time than now to do a podcast because I really can't do anything else right now. My mom is sitting here beside me driving the car, so she may jump in with comments here or there because she just simply can't help herself. So if you hear an extra voice, don't worry, it's just Mama D sitting in the driver's seat. So anyways, today I figured the next topic that I should cover, considering I just did racing, was the -the off-the-track thoroughbred, and a little bit about George and our journey to the thoroughbred makeover, and how I decide when when picking my thoroughbreds off the racetrack. So for those of you who are unaware, OTTB stands for Off the Track Thoroughbred, which is a thoroughbred that previously raced, or at the very least, had a recognized work and trained at the track. So an Off the Track Thoroughbred is a thoroughbred that is coming from a racing career and is being repurposed into a new one. I've been riding off-the-track thoroughbreds for quite a while. I think I got my first one when I was 15, which is about eight years ago now. So a while, and I've come a long way in my handling and riding of them since then because I cringe big time at how I used to feed and ride and take care of them back in the day. It definitely is a learning curve, and since they're so trendy right now, it does get kind of difficult because people who shouldn't have them oftentimes get them because they think that it's going to be some easy task based off of how people make it look online and it really isn't they're not for the faint of heart and they're the type of horse that if you're buying one straight off the track you need to have training experience and generally speaking some thoroughbred knowledge or someone around you that can help you with the retraining of them because they're kind of unique in how they're trained at the track and if you have no idea where you're coming from in getting a horse off the track you're not as likely to produce a nice horse and you could end up frying them which happens a lot because people like to rush their training since they are already broke but basically what I'm saying is off the track thoroughbreds are amazing and they can make really great horses but if you're going to get one when you lack experience my personal recommendation would be to get one that has had some form of retraining not one directly off of the racetrack. Now, when you are buying directly off the racetrack, there's a number of factors to consider with off-the-track thoroughbreds that you wouldn't have to consider with other types of green horses. And first and foremost, I would say it would be letdown time. When you're buying a horse who has just ran, you don't want to immediately throw them into a program. And this is a mistake I've made in the past, and it has been to the detriment of my horse's training straight from the track. So horses coming right off the track when they've just been racing deserve to go out in a field and kind of wind down, learn how to be a horse, get introduced to a new, less high energy diet and settle into their new homes. I personally wouldn't recommend anyone gets an off the track thoroughbred if they don't have a setup where they can actually turn the horse out in a field and let them be a horse. 
they can be stressed coming off the track and they may pace in their paddocks they might be silly they might run around but you kind of got to just figure it out and find ways to make them more comfortable instead of just being like hey they don't like turnout I'm going to bring them inside because this really hot fit horse is doing what it does best and is running they will do that and you just got to be patient and help acclimate them to their new lifestyle without causing too much stress but at the same time like they have to get used to being in a field if they're going to be a normal horse and generally speaking people are a lot more adaptable to find ways to make anxious horses less anxious under saddle but as soon as they have to watch them in turnout when it's about the horse's interest they get pretty lazy and just are like oh they don't like it but for whatever reason People don't do that when the horse refuses jumps and so on and so forth because they recognize that it's an anxiety or training issue. But with turnout, it's definitely not the same. So my recommendation if you're buying off the track, if you notice their stress and pacing and turnout is when you introduce group turnout to put them out with quieter horses that aren't going to feed off the energy and that will kind of show them that it's totally fine and there's nothing to worry about in the turnout. Alternatively, you can also start them out being in like an in and out paddock so that they can go to their stall if they get stressed and then walk back outside and then gradually get them used to being on larger turnouts. I've just been throwing my guys out in group turnout and like pulling their shoes so that they can't get kicked and putting them out with my horses who are used to living out 24-7 and even with pretty anxious horses that had lots of problems with anxiety on the track, I honestly haven't had any issue introducing them to that type of lifestyle and even through the winter they've been totally fine living outside with a shelter through the winter so i think a lot of people over baby their horses and kind of make excuses not to let them have turnout when the issue is honestly with the owner and how they're choosing to handle the situation and not really the horse so regarding letdown time the time that you give them honestly depends on the age of the horse how long they've been running for how many starts they've had that year and so on and so forth like some people will say that they give their horses a entire year off after the track i personally disagree with this i don't think that they need it they're used to just having the winter off in between racing seasons so a full year off on a sound horse i just find that unnecessary Um, However, if they have injuries, their body's sore, they're really stressed, and they're pretty fried, giving them that much time off certainly isn't a bad thing, and it really, like, if you decide to do that, it's not going to cause issues in the way starting them too early and too fast will. So for me, if I'm getting a really young horse off the track, I usually give them several months off if they've been racing a lot. Obviously, when I got George, he was injured, so he had to have the time off that he had anyways, so he had basically the whole winter off before we started him back in his rehab program and then he was started really slowly but with my other horses that I've had I've given them like maybe like a month off if they're a horse that's been running for a while and is older because they're not usually like they like having a job and I find giving them too much time off doesn't necessarily benefit them so I'll give them a month off just to do their thing in the field and then start them lightly back in work on a slower schedule with like two-year-olds if I got a two-year-old off the track I would give them time off until their three-year-old year and that's what I did with Archie when we got him he was off for the whole winter and we just kind of brought him out for groundwork and did the absolute bare minimum for him occasionally throughout the winter but didn't really do anything else but it really depends on the horse. I think like at least two weeks should be considered the minimum, but if they just ran, I would personally give them more than that time off. My most recent addition for the off the track thoroughbreds is Chico, 
and I still gave him a month off when we got him even though he had already had the whole winter off because he'd started training a little bit this year he hadn't raced this year but the track was a pretty stressful environment for him so I thought that he kind of needed the extra time to settle in because he was a little more nervous than my other guys were coming off the track so I gave him extra time off and I've been starting him back really slowly just because I think that's what he needs even though he's an older horse that has lots of experience and already had the winter off so letdown time really depends obviously with injured horses you'd give them more time off obviously with horses that have like other problems with being fried or needing like a mental break you'd want to give them more time off but I think that letdown time is definitely something to factor in anytime you're choosing to buy a horse straight off the track just because you have to remember that they've been working hard and most tracks don't have any turnout options so Considering the fact that when they're done racing for the season, they'd be turned out for the winter, I think most people should just consider that when they retire from racing completely that you're kind of making up for the fact that they haven't had their off-season yet. Another thing to consider when buying straight off the track that a lot of people miss the boat on is that you're buying a prospect. You wouldn't go to a warm blood breeder who's showing you two-year-olds and ask them to start riding and jumping it around a course. You'd assess the horse based on its confirmation, temperament, how it moves, and maybe over a set of free jumps, but with thoroughbreds, off the track no free jumping is acceptable i think it's kind of rude to ask a horse that has just raced recently to jump at all because they have no idea what they're doing and their muscles are built to do something entirely different than that so when you're buying off the track the expectation should be that you're not even going to ride them because if you're not a licensed rider you cannot go on the track to ride anyways some people might let you ride them between the aisleways of the barn but that's kind of lucky. A lot of people wouldn't risk it. And personally, if it were me selling a horse, I wouldn't trust the vast majority of people on a racehorse um, and to handle it correctly. So I wouldn't let them ride. So when you go to look at a horse straight off the track, you're just judging their confirmation and doing it off of watching them jog. And maybe if you're lucky, they'll have a rider take them out on the track to show you their paces. But generally speaking, you're buying them off of a jog. So with that in mind, if that's not something you want to do, then your best interest is to buy something that's already been lightly restarted off the track. Otherwise, you kind of just have to deal with it and realize that you're taking a gamble buying any prospect, especially off the track, because it's not fair to force them to show more in a new career that they've never built the muscle for or been shown whatsoever, just so that you can get a better idea. Most horses can jump, and if you look at how they move and their conformation, you can get a pretty good idea. And honestly, if you decided to free jump a thoroughbred straight after their last race, they're probably going to plow through it, or if they do jump it, it's not going to be overly athletic. And it's not going to really give you a good idea of their overall potential anyways, so I do view that as kind of pointless. And when people ask me if they can jump the horses or do stuff like that I just it kind of bothers me because I don't think it's a fair ask and I think it's a really good way to fry a horse and set them up for failure for jumping in the future because if you scare the crap out of them and make jumping an immensely stressful experience for them they're not going to want to jump in the future so my recommendation is to set them up for success take it slow and just buy a prospect that's what you're doing when you're at the track you're playing you're paying a lower price because they're unproven and you can take advantage of the lower price by taking that gamble and honestly like most racehorses do work out as jumpers so long as they're sound for it so I honestly wouldn't worry about it if you have a good eye it's something that you take a risk for and it'll be totally fine 
But yeah, the main thing I would say with that is when you're going to try them, don't expect to ride them and don't expect to see them do anything other than being very green out on the track because they're broke, yes, but they're broke walk track canter. They're not really like they don't have any lateral movements, generally speaking, and usually they're pretty stiff because they spend so much time tra- training to the same direction. So you have to do a lot of dressage work and foundational stuff anyways before you can start jumping them. So there's not really any point in rushing into that so that you can get an idea of what you're looking at to buy. You should be able to have that idea just by looking at them, in my opinion. The other warning kind of goes with when you're looking at horses anywhere, but obviously not all sellers are honest. Some people will try to sell lame horses and they will try to lie to you. So my biggest recommendation is if you're looking at a horse at the racetrack, I would look at it in the stall and kind of see what it does in the stall because if they have stall vices, you'll probably see them while you're there if they're stalled. And then the other thing is when you're jogging them, make sure the owner jogs them on concrete so that you can get a good idea of how they move. But like I said, since they've just been racing, a lot of horses will move flat and kind of tight when they're trotting. And it doesn't mean they're unsound, but they just haven't been taught how to move out properly and they're tense because of all their running muscles and they won't have the same trot that they will when they're trained. However, if you find a horse that has a really beautiful trot on the track, they will probably be a phenomenal mover. But if they don't move extra beautiful right away, it's totally fine because a trot is pretty easy to train in terms of gates. The trot's the easiest gate to fix. So no worries. Don't fret about that. But be careful who you trust. Obviously, like with any seller, some sellers drug their horses. They do shady things. and They try to cover up stuff. So obviously, if you don't know the person and just in general, if you want like a sure thing, a vet check is the way to go. But I would also say when you're vet checking a horse that's under $5,000, you also have to keep in mind that like you're buying a prospect and most horses don't vet completely perfectly. So you can't be overly picky. Like if your horse has like a tiny bone anomaly show up that they were born with and that the vet doesn't think will cause problems, you're likely not going to find anything that will vet cleaner than that. Um, I've, I've been present for a lot of vet checks and I've not seen a single horse go through one without anything coming up. So with that said, obviously that's just my anecdotal experience. So it doesn't mean that it's true. Like obviously some horses could vet completely clear, but even the ones that do, I would wager that if you were to ultrasound them, x-ray their full back and neck and everything and check all their tendons and stuff, that something would come up because most sport horses and athletes will have something that is technically abnormal. So for the vet check, Don't do it as a pass or fail. Do it as what you're willing to deal with and what actually prevents the horse from doing what you want to do. Because things will come up. And if you're overly picky, you're going to waste a ton of money on vet checks and passing on horses that would have been totally fine for what you want to do, but that you didn't pick because you're worried about anything coming up. Imperfections are normal. Even the best horses have imperfections. My, I've had Milo since I was two years old, and we've, I mean, since he was two years old, not me. <laughs> Shut up, mom. Since he, since he was two years old. And, like, we we x-rayed his hawk, I think it was, and he has, like, a tiny little anomaly on the bone that he was born with, and that literally doesn't do anything, but technically it's something that a vet would have to flag during a vet check as being abnormal, even though it's the tiniest little thing that doesn't affect him at all. And lots of horses have things like these, and lots of horses will have bone wear or old injuries that they might have had when they were young that are not an issue at all, so it's just... You just got to decide what you're willing to put up with and what 
actually prevents the horse from doing what you're going to ask of it because generally speaking most people aren't going to go to the olympics on their thoroughbred off the track and they're going to ask less of it than it was asked at the track so usually you can deal with a lot of things so just be mindful of how much money you're spending and the fact that you're not going to find a horse that's going to vet utterly perfect realistic expectations. yeah realistic expectations as miss interrupty pants said do you think people would like to see on your Trends podcast my hand? My podcast doesn't have a filming on it. It's just audio, so I don't know how they can see your hand. Oh. My mom's hands are gross is what she's trying to say. <laughs> okay, so now you've brought your horse home from the track. You've had a vet check, presumably. You've given it letdown time, and you're ready to get on it. First things first, at the racetrack, most of the raised horses are mounted at the walk. So if your horse doesn't stand at the mounting block, do not be a jerk to it. You have to teach it that it's supposed to stand to mount because they're not used to that. They're used to having riders legged up and most of them aren't broke to the mounting block. And even the ones that are aren't likely to stand there for extended periods of time because their job is go, go, go. And they're usually mounted at the walk, like I said. So if you get mad at your horse for doing something that it doesn't know is wrong, you're going to fry it and set it up for failure so be patient and teach it how to stand at the mounting block during your letdown time you could do this in hand on the ground and praise the crap out of them for standing still and just make it a fun experience to get treats and then they'll stand for you when you're riding when you're ready to ride and that's great so anyways before you're getting on presumably from the mounting block or you can get legged up but again they're used to being mounted at the walk so even if you do get legged up there's a chance your horse is going to walk off on you and it's not to be bad it's just because that's what they're used to so you get on them and they're probably going to be tense, stiff, who knows, like they haven't done any lateral work, no circles, an arena is like a fishbowl compared to the size of the racetrack. So bending and turning those corners is going to be hard. What I do when I'm starting my racehorses is like the first several rides, I don't canter them at all. There's no point. They need to trot a lot. They've done a lot of canter work. Their canters are usually pretty solid, especially in open spaces, not so much in arenas, but their trots need a lot of work and they also need to figure out how to walk relaxed if they don't already so I do a lot of circling transitions walk halt trot to walk walk to trot so on and so forth trying to start teaching them leg yielding basic bending kind of flexing them and just getting them used to stretching and trying to get them to stretch down and relax into the bridle because a lot of them will be super gnawing on the bit and kind of kind of just up so my first several rides are just about getting rid of that up ready to go and run and train and do something exciting and making the rides as boring as possible which is why i don't canter them and then usually after like a first few rides i do try to get them out on trails and hacking pretty quick even if it's just hacking around the property because walking with purpose and going somewhere but learning how to be quiet about it is very very important so the rides should be boring you don't want to overtax your horse if you're adding in poles and jumps in the first couple of rides um not the best idea unless you're just walking over poles and your horse is really relaxed with them definitely don't add in jumps there's no reason for it they're not fit for that yet and you want to build that flat work foundation first so as if you have if you can't tell already i have a huge pet peeve about people rushing their thoroughbreds because i am very protective over my race horses and quite frankly if i ever sell them to someone who moves them too fast it makes me really angry even though technically it's none of my business but i love these horses i know just what they were like at the racetrack i know their habits i know their quirks i know what they were like to ride so when i watch what people are doing with them i know whether it's out of the norm for a horse to react the certain way that they do and 
to some extent, I can blame the people, even if it's an environmental factor. But I cannot stand people rushing their racehorses because, to be honest, the horses that are ending up in the auction pen and going to slaughter that are racehorses, a lot of them are coming from homes that they've been sold to after the racetrack, not directly from the racetrack. And it's people who have fried them and pushed them too hard, maybe from the chuck wagons, hunter jumpers, or dressage, or whatever the heck you're doing. A lot of people push their horses too far, and then they get problems. They might rear, they might bolt, they might buck. They might just be a nervous wreck as soon as you get on them, and then people give up on them, blame the horse, call them a crazy thoroughbred, and pawn them off onto the next person until no one's willing to deal with them. So any rushing really bothers me, because if you rush and fry a horse, you're risking this happening to them. And if you sell a dangerous horse to someone, you're just banking on the fact that someone's more willing to deal with and fix their issues than you are, which is really not fair. So it's better to start them properly from the get-go. And if you notice that you're moving too fast and they're seeming stressed at all, to take it right back. Because once a horse starts having nervous habits like rearing or flipping or bolting or just being dangerous like that, it's very hard to break those habits once they've already become a habit. And it's a hell of a lot easier just to avoid those in the first place. So don't rush your horses, guys. Take it easy because if you go slow and make sure your horse has a good foundation, you'll actually move faster than what you do when you rush them and you screw up your horse and make them unrideable. So something to keep in mind because like a lot of the race trackers that see their horses just being like run into the ground in new homes, we hate it and we don't like it at all because we actually care about where our horses go and we are watching you. So just keep that in mind, guys. One thing that I forgot to mention about restarting them too is when you're attacking them to be careful because if you crank up the girth too fast your horse might explode. I made this mistake with my first thoroughbred and she like almost jumped on top of me because I did the girth up too fast and they're used to having their girth done up slowly and then the rider gets legged up and then you finish doing up your girth at the walk on the way to the track. So don't like cut your horse in half with the girth and be fast because like you'll be like me and you might get flattened. So that's something to consider. Um, if they have any bridal issues I would work on that with them using like treats to make it more pleasant because not everyone has the best hands and this is definitely not specific to racing but some horses might have not had the best experience with their bits so it's just something to consider you want to make it pleasant I even start some of my horses bitless off the track but I would be careful how you do this because if your horse is a horse that gets really into the bridle and you ride them bitless they're gonna run off on you so just something to consider um yeah, so I guess the next step would be when you're riding your horse, the common mistakes that people make with off-the-track thoroughbreds that result in them getting bolted on or just the horse getting really stressed and antsy. And I would say the number one most common thing people do, even with horses who've been retired for years, is when they start getting strong, riders just latch on with their hands and don't give and take and don't let go. And when you do this, you're setting yourself up for failure because the horses will want to run off on you. Um, I know the common thing that people say is that racehorses are trained that when you pull back it means to run and this really isn't necessarily true because they do respond to half halts and when we're pulling them up like we do check them back and do it like that. But what people mean in saying that is that if you just latch on and grab and hold the horse is going to break like try to bolt off and break free from you because when we are galloping them we use a bridge over the neck with our reins so the horse is largely pulling against themselves so we don't necessarily feel quite how much they're pulling but when they're about to go we get them really into the bridle so they're pulling and then they get to run 
So if you grab and hold, it kind of gives them the same feeling. And especially if you don't have a bridge in your reins, there's no way you're going to stop them if they decide they want to go. So basically, if a horse starts getting strong and fast when you're riding it, what you want to do is start like if they're not completely bolting on you you could start to suck down your circle size and make it smaller which will naturally help to stop them but if they're already bolting on you changing the circle size like that is kind of dangerous and also won't work and also if they're already completely away from you one rain stops and stuff don't really work either because they're the masters of getting away from people because that's what they do with the track but um, give and take with your hands, even if they're not slowing down completely and they only slow down for a fraction of a second and only soften for the fraction of a second, you do still have to reward it by giving with your hands. And I'm not saying like let go of your reins, just push your hand forward or like soften your grip just for a second and then close it again and check them back and keep giving and taking and personally when I'm doing this with them I use one rein at a time I never use both when I'm doing that especially when they're fresh off the track so I'll use one hand at a time and kind of work my hands independently like not seesawing just give and take usually with the inside rein and then they will soften and quiet down and also voice commands do help I use voice commands on all the racehorses I ride and they a lot of them do stop just from the voice command but if they're getting away from you, give and take is really important and not latching on and holding because even horses who have been retired for years will sometimes get into the bridle if you just latch on and hold like that. And then it can get really dangerous because when they get really away from you, it's honestly horrifying. So you just got to be careful and you want to be nice to their mouths and teach them how to soften, which won't happen if you just grab and hold. So you want to make sure that you're being soft and giving and taking. Also, to help your horse's softness and suppleness under saddle, you can do things like carrot stretches on the ground, which is when you hold a carrot and get them to reach back to their hip or down between their legs. And this will definitely help them soften and supple quicker because it's a good stretch, but you want to make sure their muscles are warm when you're doing this. Another thing is getting them to stretch down either on the lunge line or during your rides. And this is something you'll achieve through doing the lateral work, the circling, and lots of transitions, and just doing the basic foundational aspects of dressage with them. And I think this is very important before you start to do anything really complicated with them, because if you can't achieve relaxation, you have no business jumping your horse. If your horse is tight and you can't ride them on a loose rein without them trying to run off on you, you have no business putting jumps in front of them whatsoever. They should be able to go around relaxed and well on the flat and be responsive to you and not fighting you and not anxious before you add anything more complex in it. And this is a mistake a lot of people make and you can see it by how their horses go because their rushing fence is really bad. They look nervous. They're not suppling to the bit at all. And you can watch them on the flat and they're not together at all. Um, and that's not good. So you want to make sure you have that foundation before you add more stuff in. Otherwise, you're just creating holes in your training and you'll have more problems down the road than you would if you just done it right from the get-go. So the flat work stuff is really important and it might be boring to do just do walk and trot for a while. But it's the best way to do it, in my opinion. Like, for the long... Like, Chico, we have honestly probably done less than 15 minutes of canter on. And we've had him since May. So just to put it in perspective like that's how slow we've been taking it for him when he does canter it's usually like a lap each direction and that's it but most of his work is walk and trot because that's what he needs right now and we've been kind of for him 
his issue, I think, is that when he was racing, he was allowed to go around really inverted with his head in the air. So when we got him, he was very high-headed and nervous. So the whole thing we've been doing now is trying to get him to relax and stretch down because the only way to fix his top line and get him working properly is to rewire that and get the low headset calmness that we need. And that would be really ideal for him. And the best way to do that is with the walk and trot and little canter. And now that he's starting to relax, we can start doing more canter. But like basically all of his rides have just mostly been walk trot for the longest time and it's been really good for him and that's how you build a good foundation is just by taking your time and making sure you're going at the horse's pace. As your horse gets better on the flat and stronger and more responsive, you can start to ask more of them and then start doing pole work and then eventually start building small grids and jumps and go from there. Um, a lot of thoroughbreds do start rushing fences just because it's kind of in their nature to get excited and want to go fast. So this is something that you really want to be mindful of. So with a lot of mine, I halt them after fences or I'll circle them before, or if they're getting strong and into the bridle, I go back to flat work and get them to soften before taking them over a jump again, because I just like, I don't want to create a horse that I'm going to need to put in a stronger and stronger bit to be able to ride around um, a course. So with George right now, I've been jumping him in a leather bit or a French link snaffle, and it works really well for him. Like obviously he can get strong and he does get into the habit of being into the bridle when he's cantering sometimes. But I have to be really careful when I'm warming him up in shows and stuff. And when he's in an area where he's more likely to be hot, I do a lot of stuff to get him to soften again before I go out and jump him because I don't want him to get in the habit of being really heavy and towing people around the jump course. And if you take these, if you if you keep if you keep mind of that and take it into account in your training, you probably won't need to bit up as much or at all if you nip it in the bud before it becomes a major problem and bad habit and then you won't need things like draw reins or like big bits or anything to control your horse like that like I don't think it's in a lot of thoroughbreds best interest to be put in a situation where they're tied down and feel trapped I'm a personally not a big fan of draw reins I know in some cases they can be used correctly or there's cases where it might be good to use them but in a thoroughbred off the track I think that you just need to not and you need to teach them the basic building blocks in as stress-free and low demand as possible because they've been in such a high energy lifestyle for so long it's just in their best interest to take it slow and make it as easy and quiet as possible so that's my recommendation with the jumping is to be mindful of the fact that they do like to get fast and it's in there like they've been trained to lean on the bit and into the bridle when they're feeling excited and when they're training so you have to keep do like doing things to stop them from getting like that and nip it in the bud before it becomes a major problem otherwise you're going to be in a situation where your horse starts towing you to jumps and galloping off on you and that's really not ideal and it gives thoroughbreds a bad name because people always see them and they're like oh that's a thoroughbred and it's like no it's just a horse that hasn't been taught not to do that um and like obviously all horses can get strong and there's like a difference between a horse who is strong and excited to the fence but manageable and horses that are just out of control and running completely discombobulated and yeah, so just keep that in mind and really remind them that they're not supposed to get fast and that you want brakes and that you should, in theory, be able to pull them off of a jump if you need to and that you should definitely be able to stop them after a fence. 
Um, so there's also exercises you can do for that, which is like halting after a grid, like turning, setting a jump on an angle so that they have to turn and pay attention right after coming out of a grid or a course. And also just lots of transitions and a focus on softness during your flat work is really, really important. So those are my recommendations for avoiding heaviness in your horses. And if you take the time to build your proper flat work foundation before jumping, a lot of these things might not even be as much of a problem as they would like they no they might not is the wrong thing to say they will not if you take the time to build a proper foundation on the flat one thing that a lot of people forget about horses on the racetrack is that they actually do have lead changes racehorses swap leads coming into and out of every corner on the track some horses go the extra mile and swap leads more often and some horses don't have quite as good of lead changes so they might not be as quick to swap them for every corner and out of every corner like some are but they do train lead changes on the track so your horse does know lead changes but they're used to rushing into them because they're galloping so they get to surge into them a bit and they're also doing them on a large track which is a lot easier to get the change on than in an arena so one thing that a lot of riders make the mistake of doing when they're asking their horses for changes is they get nervous when the horse starts to surge and then they grab and pull and then the horse sucks back and misses the change um if you do the proper flat work foundation and get them responsive to you you should really only need to half halt before you ask for the change and then that'll sit them back on their hocks and get a more correct change but at the end of the day, if they do go quickly, you don't necessarily want to discipline them for that because it's what they're used to. But again, if you do the proper flat work stuff, they should, in theory, sit back and do a change better. But it's important to acknowledge the fact that they do have changes. Um, and this is why a lot of thoroughbreds are really easy to teach changes to because they already actually know them. And it's just about getting them to go and do the change more quietly without rushing into it quite as much and figure out how to do the change in a smaller area. Um, and this is why George already has changes and Milo, we've been focusing more on getting a correct dressage change because he has more problems with it. But George has been doing changes on the racetrack, so it comes pretty naturally to him during our jumping courses. Um, and he had a beautiful change on the track too. He was very easy to get changes on. So it was never something that I've really worked on with him. I've just kind of asked him situationally and he gets them. Um, we'll start working on them more with like doing them properly and really sitting back, but he really doesn't rush into his changes and he didn't really do it that much on the racetrack either. But obviously most people don't really have the luxury of knowing they're off the track thoroughbred in the way that I know George from galloping him when he was racing. So that's understandable, but yeah, so just keep in mind that racehorses do have changes. A lot of people assume that they don't know as much as they do, but they see a lot on the track and they're actually broke pretty decently. Like they're broke better than a lot of show horses are in some ways, depending on the trainer. And like the track introduces them to a lot of loud noises and scary things. So generally speaking, thoroughbreds off the track won't be that spooky, especially when you keep in mind how young they are. Um, a lot of horses around George's age or younger that I've worked with in comparison to the off the track thoroughbreds are just so much more stupid and hard to handle in new situations than the thoroughbreds are. And the thoroughbreds, even if they get nervous, if you are like a good leader and tell them that this is okay and you set them up for success, they'll deal with their nerves and work through their nerves for you. But you have to be the type of rider to make them want to do that. Anyways, we're about to cross the border finally. Um, we're nearing we're nearing the end. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm gonna start wrapping this up. Mom, do you think there's anything that I missed that I need to mention? 
Absolutely not. Really? Okay, I thought you were gonna say absolutely. But I was just making it on purpose um, to that way. Yeah, so anyways, that's kind of it for this patient episode, I guess. Ba- yeah, basically the gist of it is to be patient and be nice to your horse. And if you want a horse that you can basically immediately start jumping and showing, don't get one straight off the racetrack. Buy something else or learn some patience. Um so Patience is the way to go for most green horses, and it's the answer to a lot of problems. But anyways, I hope you guys liked this episode, and let me know what you think.